Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today I'm interviewing Karen Kopp. Karen is the chief door opener at Kopp Consulting, whose door opener service has helped thousands of business owners and salespeople secure initial meetings with high-level decision makers in almost every major company, including P&G, Pfizer, GE, Merck, you name them. She's probably worked with them and her company has probably worked with them. It is all about the sales and the sales messaging and getting that door opened. And it's the thing that most businesses, small businesses and large businesses alike have issues with. So I'm really excited to talk with Karen today and she's going to share some insights with us. So welcome, Karen. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So what is a chief door opener and what is your door opener service? We'll just start there. And then I want to ask you some questions about one of your new books. Okay, great. Well, so the chief door opener is what people have been calling me for a lot of years. And the reason is because I know, and now I have a team that knows how to get the tough doors open. And as you know, Mary Beth, if you want to close a sale, you have to get the door open first. And so there are a lot of people out there who say, if you get me in the door, I can close a sale most of the time. I just can't get in enough of the right doors. And so for those people, they either need a process so that they can do it better or they need outside help so that we can do it for them and get them in the right doors so that they could close their sales. Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, I've interviewed you for my book and the clients went wild. Um, I've used your services to break into a new market within the financial services market. And I have to say, Karen is the absolute real deal. And so what I'd like Karen to share with us today, there's um, something that she wrote in her newest book and her book is called Biz Dev Done Right. So business development done right. And she talks about about how your messaging sucks. And I think that that, you know, it's it's harsh, but it's true. And as a marketing professional, we deal with messaging all the time. It's the key to marketing, but it's also the key to sales. So can you talk to the audience a little bit about why our messaging sucks? <laughs> yeah, it is harsh and it is true, even for those people who have spent time on messaging. And one of the primary reasons why messaging is not working for people is because there is a blind spot when it comes to messaging, where the business leaders and the salespeople think that the marketing message is the same as the sales message, and it's not. It's actually very different. The marketing message, as you know, is meant for the masses. It's meant for your advertising, your website, your marketing materials. Whereas the sales message is the spoken word or it's the email meant for one person to move one person in his or her thinking from one place to the next. There's all different kinds of sales messaging for different parts of the sales process. 
And the blind spot for the people who don't know that sales messaging is different from marketing message is that they don't have it. And so therefore, they don't create the, the right message. They don't create the answers for the objections. And therefore, in that performance moment when it really matters, they don't necessarily have the right language to pique the interest of the right prospect, to move the prospect from just awareness and thinking about something to wanting to act on it. But those people who do, those people who develop this message, they are in a better state of preparation and they will win. Now, isn't it a lot about overcoming objections? I know that you talk a lot about that because that's the key. If you know and can understand maybe even in advance what someone is going to say to object you opening the door and getting in and having a meeting, um, how does someone overcome that? I know you've got some methodology for that. Well, sure. I always recommend along with the sales messaging comes the answers for the objections. When I sit down and I think about any sales situation, including getting in the door or really any other part of the sales process for that matter, I can pretty much think of 95% of the objections that I'm going to face. And if I can pre-think those objections, I can also pre-think the answers. If I know the answers before I walk into the selling situation, whether it's in person, on the phone, or even an email back and forth, then I'm in a better state of readiness to be able to overcome those objections and move on to the next step. If you can't overcome an objection, you will never close a sale. Hands down, it's that simple. So can you give us an example maybe of uh, of one way or the other how somebody could, if they think through it, be able to overcome an objection? So maybe give an example. Oh, sure. Um, well, there, there are so many. Um, <laughs> let's take an industry where there are contracts. And a lot of people think that when they contact a prospect who says, I already have a contract for that, that there's no opportunity there. And actually, that's not true. There's a lot of opportunity there, but you have to dig for it. When it comes to the contract, first of all, if there is a contract, it means there's enough quantity, volume, dollars that they needed a written document that was put together by lawyers. So people want in on that. How are they going to get in on that? Usually the contracts are, are a, a certain length of time, a year, two years, three years. So if you've contacted a prospect, let's say six months into a contract, you're about three months away from the review period if it's a year-long contract. So it's time to ask some questions. If somebody says, I already have a contract for that, you can ask, well, when is the review period for when you think about using either the same vendor or looking at new vendors too. And you can get that information. You can ask who's on the review committee so that you know who are the people that you need to meet with ahead of time to know what they're looking for and how happy they are with their current provider. Uh, you, you can ask for the meeting uh, right then and there for sure. You can also ask how satisfied they are with their current provider. And that can open up a whole discussion because if they're not happy, there's usually an out clause in any contract, either for cause or for no cause at all. So if they're, if the prospect is not happy with their current provider, they can exercise an out clause, get out of the contract and give all the money to you. So that, that's another way. 
to answer that objection. And then finally, when you're talking to that prospect, uh, another thing to do is to talk about the ancillary products and services that you offer where you might be able to become a current vendor uh, and not just wait for the review period. You know, for example, you can say, what does the contract cover? And listen to what the prospect says. If you have ancillary products and services that fall outside of the main terms of the contract, start talking about that. Because if you become a current vendor before the review period for the contract, you'll be in a better position to compete for the bigger enchilada. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's just, I think what you said was so smart. You know, we can think of 95% of the objections. And if we can think of those objections, we can think of the messaging that we would use in advance to overcome those objections. And, you know, there's a lot of objections that people just go, oh, okay. And, and you know, I already have a contract or I already have um, this provider is a typical one. And how do you get around those things? So at least you can start building your pipeline. So very Right. Um, and that it is to be expected. If if a prospect has a need, he or she already has a vendor. How could they not? So it's really important to expect that you're going to hear that when you contact prospects. If you're not ready with a slam dunk answer for that objection, you are not ready to prospect. Yeah, absolutely. So Karen, I know you talk about sales cycle economics. Can you share what that is with our audience? Yes. Sales cycle economics is really understanding what your sales cycle is, not what you wish it was and not what it was when your easiest client became your client when that landed in your lap, but what your real sales cycle is. When, when we're working with clients, they have this hope that they're going to walk into a, a, a prospect and the prospect is going to say to them, gee, I, I can't stand my current vendor. I'm so glad you're here. I have a $3 million need. Will you take a check? That's what they're hoping for. But the reality is that is just the first conversation. There's going to be a subsequent conversation and another conversation and likely some additional stakeholders from the prospect organization that needs to get on board in order to make a decision, especially if it's a big decision. And that takes time. And so when you think about what your sales cycle is, and that has implications for budgeting, it has implications for resource allocations, capacity, uh, all of those, those, as well as setting a salesperson's quota. Because let's say you hire a salesperson in this year and you expect that person to develop an entirely new territory and you give them a quota of a million dollars in year one and you have a year and a half long sales cycle, you hire that person in January, how likely is that person to make any money? And then at the end of the year, if that person hasn't made any money, what happens? Is that person going to leave? Are you going to fire that person because the person didn't make any money? When in reality, your sales cycle was beyond the date of December 31st. And so there really was no way for that salesperson to be successful. We talk about, Carl and I, my co-author, we talk about sales psychonomics in this book. It is so important because otherwise, if you don't really know what your sales cycle is, everything that you judge your metrics against is going to be incorrect. Right. 
What do you think is the percentage of salespeople who give up before the cycle has really taken its course? Ninety-eight <laughs> percent. Well, I was <laughs> you know, thinking I, it had to be high because people are—it's about immediate <laughs> gratification. And if they said, "Oh no, no, no," they've already got someone. Uh, your manager says, "Well, go find somebody else," or you think to yourself, "I've got to go find somebody else." When if they stuck with it, um, they're building a pipeline. And, and talk about pipeline because I really because I, I believe too that it's it's ninety-eight percent that just don't don't finish the process. It, it might have been there, but they didn't have the patience or the time, or maybe they weren't still employed because the company had the wrong, you know, quotas and things like that in place. But but talk about the pipeline of sales and building that. Well, the pipeline. If you think about it, companies have various assets. They have maybe a building, they have machinery, they have uh, intellectual property, they have all these different assets. And one asset that is so critical that they always forget about is their pipeline. But actually, if you think about it, their pipeline is one of the most important assets for the company, because that's where all your future business is going to come from. And if people don't protect their asset, which is their pipeline, they're going to wind up with uh, peaks and valleys in their sales delivery, which makes everything unpredictable, right? But if they, if they really think strategically about building their pipeline and they don't abandon relationships in progress, they're going to have a more predictable pipeline moving forward. And it's a, it's a really important point. I said 98%, it's probably close. When I take a look at the people I know and how they're managing the relationships they have in progress, I would say the business owners or the business leaders are good about their own relationships because they're so close to it that they know that there's no way that these five prospects are going to buy in the next three months, but they do know that they're going to buy in the next year, so they stay in touch. Where it all falls apart is when the salespeople come on board. And it's not only their fault for not staying in touch, but it's also management's fault for not making a culture where follow-up is valued and follow-up is, is a rule. They're saying, make sure you're spending your time and you've got a, a quota that you need to hit by uh, the end of the first quarter. Well, guess what? That doesn't lend itself to building long-term relationships. So management and the structure and the culture that they're setting around lead nurturing and relationship building is an incredibly important part of the pipeline. And that is a blind spot that is often missed in favor of meeting Q1 deadline. So do some companies, are they innovative enough to perhaps pay or um, compensate in some way salespeople for making follow-up or for building a pipeline? Some are. I have seen it. And uh, some actually segment their sales teams that way, where they have certain salespeople who are focused on more transactional elements, where the sales cycles are shorter and the deal sizes are typically smaller, and that they have other people who are focused on the longer-term deals, and that way they're playing both sides of the fence. But I have to say, in the companies that I know, those are few and far between. Most of the time, and I'm seeing it more as a trend over the last, I'd say, two years or so, that there is a big frustration out there amongst sellers and their managers about wanting to actually do the work of creating and developing a relationship that will lead to the kind of sale they want. They're hoping 
that big sale will just fall in their lap without having to do that work. And, you know, as we all know, hope is not a strategy. No, hope is definitely not a strategy. But you would think, you know, if you really need people to continue to build the pipeline, that you would in some way compensate them for follow-up. But if the only thing you're compensating them for is sales, then that's the one thing that they're going to focus on. And it's going to be that one and done. I'm going in. They're not, they don't have time. They don't have, uh, you know, a buying need immediately and they go and try to find someone else. And there's even managers who encourage that. Um, so when you're working with firms, I mean, talk about how you work with a, with a firm that's been having trouble with their sales. I mean, what, what are you doing differently? How do you come into the process and change what's happening in their sales environment? Right. So that's a great question. And normally where we start is with the door opener service. And that's where people will hire us to create their sales message that gets the door open and then use one of our senior level business developers. Uh, Most of them have more than 10 years experience in business development. And most of them have also been corporate decision makers as well. And so this is the caliber of person who is representing our client out in the market, getting them in the door. So we start there, and by our representing our clients and talking to their prospects directly, we learn all sorts of things. And then we're also able to watch how their salespeople carry the ball from the initial meeting through the rest of the process. As we're doing that, we don't abandon our client after the initial meeting. We are involved in helping them know the right sales behaviors to get to the finish line. As we do that, we notice things. And as I I tell our clients up front, that if we notice something that's causing them uh, to not be able to close sales as soon as possible and the biggest sale they can, we're going to say something, whether it's about the, the person uh, that they have doing the sales or whether it's about the process. If there's something going on that's preventing them from closing more or closing sooner, we will tell them. And we have in several cases, uh, sometimes it's the salesperson who's not following up. Sometimes it's the business leader who doesn't read the appointment report and shows up to the appointment unprepared. Those are things that must be fixed. One of the things that we noticed for one of our clients, we got him uh, 85 meetings uh, where he had two national sales managers and a rep firm, uh, and nobody was getting meetings. We were able to get them the meetings that they wanted at the right levels, and we started noticing that we didn't think that there was follow-up going on after the meeting, and it was a huge surprise to the business owner that to find out after he did some digging that, that we were right. And we brought that to his attention. Had we not done the door opener service, he would not have known that the reps weren't following up on the meetings. But if you don't follow up, you you don't close the sale in most cases. And uh, so he was he was very happy to know that because then he could fix it. But that's just an example of where we might get involved. We had another client who had uh, several proposals that were stuck in the pipeline with some very very big companies. And those are those approvals are hard to navigate sometimes. So what we did with her is we brainstormed with her what led her up to where she was stuck and then how to get unstuck and get to the closed sale. And that part was really helpful for her because this is in our wheelhouse and not necessarily in hers. We were able to offer her a solution to close the sale. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because sales uh, for most companies 
you know, they believe this is very, very difficult and it's what you guys do to make it more simple. And I know that COP Consulting has been recognized for the past few years, I think, on the Inc. 5000 list, which is amazing. Um, Thank very you. Fast very growing. proud of that. Yeah, very fast growing firm. And what do you think is sort of the secret to you being able to do that? Well, first of all, we have a science behind getting the doors open with prospects. And so we are successful when many other people are not successful at this part of the sale. And it happens to be, door opening happens to be something that most companies are challenged by. I mean, look, if you can't get in the door, you can't close a sale. So that can prevent a company from growing. In some cases, it could prevent a company from being in business. So it's, it's critical that they have this function. And the fact that we're selling something that people really need and they're willing to pay for is one of the reasons why we're successful. And then the fact that we're able to deliver on that and give people meetings and opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise had keeps them with us. And, um, and that is a direct reflection of the brilliance of the door opener team and our researchers and our admins who make this work. So that's that's one of the reasons why we've made the Inc. 5000. Yeah, and I've watched your career for some time and just very, very amazing. So congratulations. How can Thank people you. reach you and how can they find your latest book? They can reach me through the website, which is copconsultingusa.com. K-O-P-P ConsultingUSA.com, where they'll find information about the door opener service, uh, sales message development, as well as my blog, where there's just years of articles about uh, overcoming sales challenges in all areas of sales. They can find the book uh, written by Carl Gould and myself on Amazon. It became an Amazon bestseller. Uh, so Amazon.com, BizDev Done Right. And uh, there's another manual that I've written called The Path to the Cash, The Words You Need to Bypass Those Darn Prospect Objections. And that's available on my site. That Those are the answers to the top 10 objections that keep you from getting in the door. Hmm. Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for being a part of the Female Insight Zone today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a wonderful podcast that you have for women to be able to better their skills and to learn what they need to learn to get to greater heights. Well, and thank you for giving of your time to this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Female Insights Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.